Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Afternoons on SEN. Quite a substantial second hour coming up. Uh, after 1.30, uh, number 55 in this year's draft to the Richmond Footy Club, Steely Green's got a fascinating story to tell. Um, Ryan Brokov in about 20 minutes' time from southeast Melbourne, Phoenix. Dawn Fraser about to join me in just a moment as well. But just quickly off the top, I wanted to mention, really disappointed uh, to see the Western Bulldogs lose the Good Friday game. Um, they've played in five out of the seven of them, including the first two. It was thrown around a bit, St Kilda and in Essendon. Essendon have got the, uh, the biggest drawing crowd with North Melbourne. North Melbourne campaigned for this game for a long, long, long time to try and claim a piece of real estate as their own, to wrap it around an incredibly worthy cause, the Good Friday Appeal. And whilst the last two games haven't been great as far as a spectacle, 128-point and 68-point drubbings the Dogs handed out to North, they shouldn't be penalised for that. Uh, And nor should North Melbourne. The crowds of uh, 28,483, 32,162 might seem low, and the biggest mistake we can make on this is compare it to Anzac Day or compare it to Dreamtime or compare it to Easter Monday, which get played uh, at different venues uh, at different time of the day. Good Friday is a tough one anyway because there are still a lot of people who feel like footy shouldn't be played on that day and therefore don't participate in it. But it is all about the greater good, and that is the Good Friday appeal and the money that's raised and the work that North Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs have done together to promote this game and to raise money for this course, for this cause shouldn't be so flippantly disregarded. I would have thought, I understand that maybe it would have been great at the start to have it as the Western Bulldogs and Carlton because they are the two, uh, sorry, North Melbourne and Carlton, they're the two teams that are closest to the hospital. But the Western Bulldogs have bought into this just as well as North Melbourne have. They've partnered with North Melbourne to, to make this day something special. And when you think about the fact that North Melbourne only averaged 14,000 people to a home game last year, well, then they've had well over double. So that's a win. So so their fans and the Western Bulldogs fans, I think the Western Bulldogs' uh, average home crowd was, was 21,000 last year. So their fans have embraced this. Their fans have said that we are buying into this. Not every marquee game should be measured exactly as to the other. There are different metrics involved. There are different time slots are going to get different crowds and they're for different causes and for different things. So I think it's a really harsh call uh, on the Western Bulldogs to take it away from them. And you might say, well, Sam, there'll be more people there. That'll mean more money. Well, maybe or maybe not. Because the work that the Western Bulldogs do with North Melbourne to promote that game, not just on the day, but in the build-up, shouldn't go underestimated. So I was disappointed to see the Western Bulldogs lose that. We're we're all big on this equalisation thing, equalisation thing, equalisation. But when we get a chance to actually live it, it feels like... Oh no, we better th- we we better throw an old big four club in there because that'll just make it look better on the day. I think that's a really disappointing call, and I, and I feel for the Western Bulldogs, and I commend them on the work they've done with North Melbourne in in trying to build something that was resisted for so so long, so so long. 
Um, Carlton have got the, the round one opener, which as I've already said, is the rent a crowd of, of round uh, opening up the season. It's just a layup, but to guarantee, but they've got that. Um, this was something for, for two clubs who aren't considered big four clubs or the old traditional big four in Victoria, from a Victorian point of view, even the big four aren't necessarily the big four anymore. Um, so I, you know, I, I really do feel for the Western Bulldogs. I don't think that was the right call to be made, but you can have your say on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Werribee Kia open line. Uh, Water National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Uh, you can text through 0433 uh, on the 40 Winks Temper Text. Consumer Choice Winner Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape uh, of your body. Um, there are so many texts that have come through about uh, comparing careers of athletes through history who have been going side by side, have gone head to head with another athlete and often compared. Anytime you speak about one, you speak about the other. The great rivalries, the great careers that went in conjunction, the side by side. Um, we've spoken about Magic and Bird and it came off the back of Messi and Ronaldo might meet at this World Cup and there have just been a ton of nominations that have come through. So keep those coming through as well. I've got a heap of prizes still to give away. A uh, bit of cricket news as well. Victorian fast bowler Scott Boland, it's being reported, will return to the Australian men's team for the second test. Uh, Boland's going to play his fourth test match for Australia. Uh, just the second Indigenous male player to play uh, test cricket after Jason Gillespie. He's going to replace Pat Cummins, who hasn't recovered fully from that quadriceps strain, which he suffered in the uh, on day three of the first test in Perth. Steve Smith will captain the team in Adelaide. And there'll be people who have their views on that. And you can share that one 736 736 or 0433-981116. So the team medical staff and this report, uh, I'll find out exactly where it's come from uh, in just a moment. Who's written this um, team medical staff uh, thought that Pat Cummins would make a recovery by Adelaide, but selectors don't believe that was sufficient enough time for him to be ready for tomorrow to be fully fit. Um, he's expected to return for the first test in Brisbane um, against South Africa. So that uh, is a big story today. But that's the right call, surely. Scott Boland, I mean, the hero of Boxing Day. What were his figures? Nine for seven or something like that? Nine wickets uh, in that test match? One of the greatest test debuts we've ever seen. Um, had everybody on their feet and everybody out of their seats um, so that is the right call, I reckon. A lot of noise around Lance Morris, and he will get his chance, and, and so he should. But it would have been, I think, incredibly unfair of Scott Boland not to get uh, the call up. He should be first cab off the rank, given how he's performed when he has been called in to the test lineup. You won't miss a moment of it. Uh, all the action for the day-night test starts tomorrow on SEN. You can listen on the SEN app as well. Uh, Jared Waitley and the whole team uh, ready and rearing, fully assembled, converging on Adelaide Oval as we speak. And it's... It's almost 30 years, I reckon, since one of the most famous and thrilling test match finishes that we've ever seen. And that was that 1993 test at the Adelaide Oval. Um, Australia and the West Indies. The West Indies won. Courtney Walsh taking the top of Craig McDermott's helmet late. Was it day four or day five? I'm just trying to uh, rack my brain to remember. You'll be able to tell me off the 40 Wings temper text. They put on about 42, him and Tim May. Uh, they were a long way back when they were nine down. And then Tim May and Craig McDermott. Tim May was recalled into the side, took five wickets in that in uh, that crucial West Indian second innings. Uh, he got his uh, highest ever test score. They only needed one more run. And, 
yeah, they lost by a single run in the end. And if that was in today's cricket, the DRS would have gone straight upstairs uh, and they would have probably gone on to win that test. Um, but that's what makes it even more uh, a more enthralling and captivating and controversial period uh, or match in the history of test cricket. Uh, speaking, uh, well, speaking of history, uh, there's not many people who, who can lay claim to being uh, one of our greatest ever athletes in uh, Australian sporting history. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to have uh, several new inductees into the Australian Sports Hall of Fame. We will have two uh, icons uh, up to elevated to legend status, uh, Ron Clark and the great Shane Warne. There will be this year's uh, winner of the Don Award. And for the second time ever, the Dawn Award will be presented. Now, the Dawn Award uh, recognises a courageous groundbreaker who has demonstrated achievement against the odds and challenged the status quo. And it is named after the, the four-time uh, Olympic gold medalist. There's only uh, three other swimmers who have been able to claim gold uh, at three different Olympics in the same event. And our next guest is one of those and the person who this award is named after. Last year won by Yvonne Gulligan-Cawley. We can't wait to find out tomorrow night who this year's recipient will be. But Dawn Fraser has been good enough to join us on Afternoons. Dawn, hello. Good day, Sam. How are you? Well, look, I'm all the better for speaking to you, and I, and I thank you for your time. Um, oh, my pleasure. <laughs> hey, but we've been speaking all morning, uh, a little question without notice here, about the great side-by-side careers that always uh, compared to each other in the history of sports. So Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, um, you know, people would compare Thorpe and Phelps. Perhaps their their careers crossed over at a certain point. In your career, who was always your number one rival uh, when you took to the pool at an international meet? Well, uh, there were two uh, in Australia. There was Lorraine Crack, of course, in the because mm-hmm. we only had two events to swim in. We had the women's 100 metres and 400 metres freestyle. Uh, not like the swimmers today. They've got everything from 50 up to 1,500 now, which is fantastic. Um, Lorraine was always there at my heels and then came along Ilsa Conrad. And, uh, you know, the the Americans were always there, but um, the Australians seemed to you know, get on the right course at the right time. So Chris Von Salzer was um, in the pool. Would that have, when you were... Do you remember vividly yeah. your battles with her? I do. I remember uh, battles with Chris von Salzer and became a very good friend of Chris's and stayed with her family when we went over to America on a tour. And uh, But as I said, you know, she could... And I, I know this being a sports person, a sportsmanship being played in sport, you could always uncontrol her, if, I, if, if you know what I mean. We, all, we could always get over the better of her. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Dawn, uh, thank you for that. Uh, it's just a theme that's been running throughout the course of the afternoon. So the Dawn Award, second time, uh, just explain to us, first of all, from a personal point of view, how honoured you are that this award and what it represents uh, has been, uh, I suppose, uh, coined in your honour. Well, Sam, to be very honest with you, every time I speak about it or somebody speaks about the Dawn Award, I get very big goosebumps on my body. It's probably the greatest award that I've had, apart from getting my AC from the Governor-General and from the government. Um, Look, I I just find it a great honour, and I'm very happy that I'm alive. Well, I've had this honour named after me, um, not like... Uh, Sir Don, you know, it was um, it was great, and to be up there with Don Bradman and myself is uh, absolutely fantastic. I can't tell you how how happy and how proud I am to have the award named after me, Sam. 
And, and I read out a little bit about what the award is represents, but what does it mean to you for the person that well, receives it? We can't give away who it is tomorrow night, but no. what, what is this award, uh, award honouring? Well, the award's honouring a person that has set a pathway for the younger generation to come uh, come through, has been courageous in, in their career, and uh, it shows the performance of that particular person who is being awarded how courageous they were during their sporting career. The and 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 how big a hand, Dawn, do you have in in when all the there'd be obviously a lot of people who would qualify for this. Um, how big a hand do you have in the selection of it? Well, we have the selection committee. They put up the names that they think that should be honoured and then that comes to the board and I'm on the board and then uh, the chairman, John Bertram, always has a side talk with me and we then go through it and then we put it the, the name to the board that we think should be the person to receive the honour and then that's passed by the board and then put back to the uh, selection committee and it's been passed. It, it and, is... Um, it's not It's not an easy job, believe me, Sam. It's not an easy job in Australian sports. I wouldn't have thought so at all. But the idea of no. people who have overcome and to blaze a trail, it's yeah. such an important thing, especially when we're speaking, you know, whether it be, um, you know, last year, what Yvonne Goulagon Corley's done um, for Indigenous yes. athletes and and then what you've done for female athletes. And, and so the for someone, for there to be trailblazers in sport means that sport is able to flourish in areas where it never really did. So, we, you know, do we do we have a grasp, you think, on the importance of people who are like the people who are going to be honoured by this award? I think we're getting there, Sam, and uh, this is the second year it will be named, uh, the person will be named, and I think that sets a, you know, a pathway for the younger generation of people coming through to know that the, how important it is to go for the Donna or the Dawn Award, to be inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame, to become a legend of Australian sport, and it shows the respect that they receive from all of Australians, and I think that's that's a very proud moment for anyone that's, um, that gets these awards. And just the Sports Hall of Fame itself, Dawn, um, I, I think each year we are drawn, we, we, we learn a little bit more. We I think the prestige of this is enhanced each and every year. We might have been a little slow on the uptake, if that makes sense. Um, but this year's honorees just into the Hall of Fame alone are some of the greatest names uh, in sport. And one who you've had a little bit to do with just recently, uh, Kari Webb as well. Yes, it's not. You know, we've been waiting for a couple of years, or you know, about nine years, to get Curry inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame, and she's always been away, busy playing golf or busy doing something with her business, and hasn't had the time to come to Australia to be awarded. And this year, she she was in Australia, and we had the pleasure. I had the pleasure of inducting her into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame, and she has been. She is so delightful. She was so proud to. Uh, and a mum and dad and her sisters came down from Townsville and there, and uh, she was extremely proud Australian, I can assure you. Uh, Dawn, just sport in general these days for you. I mean, do, do you what do you what are you most drawn to from a sport? I know mean, there's a big swim meet next week, if I'm not mistaken. But is it just yes. swimming for you, or or what are the sports uh, that you love and and are drawn to? Oh, look, I love equestrian. I, I wanted to be an equestrian rider, but my family couldn't afford it. And I loved horses, and I rode horses while I was swimming in Adelaide. Um, I rode horses for one of the uh, top trainers down in South Australia and taught him how to swim these horses after the, the races on a Saturday and Sunday morning I used to work for him. So um, I love equestrian. Look, I love all sport. I love women's cricket, and I, and I love the way women's sport has come through to the forefront. And I've got to say thank you to you guys to make it happen that way because 
you know, for years and years and years, we've been trying to get women's sport up there, acknowledged with the men's sport, and now I think it's on an even field. And if not, I think the women's cricket's taken over men's cricket, if I'm correct. <laughs> well, they're unbeatable at the moment, uh, aren't they? And you've got I a know. women's world cup in soccer here next year. The Matildas, uh, um, I think, the ranked Matildas just outside the top 10. Yeah, so they're a real chance yeah. of going deep. And um, yeah, each year, with AF, whether it be AFLW or, or um, uh, Women's Rugby League, and now what? And the, the example you give, Dawn, is, is a great one because the, what's happening with women's cricket is the perfect example of what happens when you do what Cricket Australia did and invest fully and make female athletes full time professionals. You get these kind of results. Exactly right. And I wish all sports would do this. And I think with the help of Mrs. Reinhardt, who's been trying to do this in swimming and, and beach volleyball and, and synchronised swimming and women's rowing, they're all coming up to the forefront now because they've got the money behind them to do it. And they don't have to spend uh, three jobs a week like I did. They have to uh, fulfil their dreams of being a good a swimmer or a good sports person and having to work and keep themselves. And, you know, with the, with the help of people behind us, as far as sponsors are concerned, it has entrusted the sport up to the very level of top right throughout the world. Dawn, can I just say it's an honour and a thrill to be able to speak to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, the award is such an important one and what it does to honour the, the people that it is going to. Yvonne Gulligan Cawley last year and this year's um, recipient is just a superb choice, can I say, and we can't wait to, to see you uh, award this person uh, tomorrow night. Thank you very much, Sam. It's lovely talking with you and thank you very much for all your help. The great Dawn Fraser. So the Australian Sport Hall of Fame tomorrow night. Uh, Sir George Bedbrook, uh, former uh, uh, pioneer of the Paralympic movement, former Australian netball captain Catherine Cox, former Australian rugby league captain Brad Fittler, four-time uh, Olympian in the softball Tanya Harding, triple com games 10-pin bowling gold medalist uh, Cara Honeychurch, uh, Australian basketball coach Dr. Adrian Hurley, uh, two-time Brownlow medalist, six-time All-Australian Chris Judd, 41 times a winner on the LPGA and two-time LPGA Player of the Year, Kari Webb. Mark Webber, the first Aussie to win a Formula One race in 28 years. Uh, they will be inducted into the Australian Sports Hall of Fame. Ron Clark and Shane Warne to be elevated to legend status. Of course, the Don Award will be uh, announced and, of course, the Dawn Award too. Um, really appreciate Dawn Fraser's time uh, and uh, can't wait to, to see those awards that we don't know yet, well, publicly, uh, be announced <laughs> tomorrow night. Uh, when we come back, we'll turn our attention to uh, NBL. Ryan Brokoff, star with the South East Melbourne Phoenix, will be our next guest on Afternoons.